Today's scripture reading comes to us from the book of Luke, chapter 9, it's verses 10 through 17. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done, and he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came to him, came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about five thousand men. And he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about fifty each. And they did so, and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, twelve baskets of broken pieces. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and is given to us in love. Good morning. Well, as we have seen photos of the devastation along Florida's coast this week and heard of the large numbers of people who have died as a result of Hurricane Ian, we once again ask ourselves, is God's secret rescue plan that we've been talking about over the past months, is it actually working? Is Jesus' kingdom truly at hand? Because to the naked eye, as we look out, it seems as if things in our world are getting worse. These are questions that we wrestle with every day. And they're also questions that the disciples and the crowds that followed Jesus, they wrestled with the same questions 2,000 years ago. As a matter of fact, right before the feeding of the 5,000, Matthew 14 tells us that Jesus and the crowds had gathered around him. They heard horrific news. Herod had murdered Jesus' friend and ally, John the Baptist. The news of John the Baptist's death is surely sent shockwaves through Jesus' followers and caused them to question the legitimacy of God's rescue plan. But what we see in verse 11 of our passage this morning is when the crowds learned it, when they learned the news that John the Baptist had died, they continued to follow Jesus. And he welcomed them, and he spoke to them of the kingdom of God. Jesus, he reassured those who gathered that regardless how bad things get, God is on his throne. Jesus is king and his kingdom is growing. And if Jesus' proclamation of the kingdom was not enough to assuage their doubts, Jesus said, watch what I can do. Now, interestingly, in Matthew 11, verses 2 through 6, before John the Baptist died, he said this. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he, went, he sent word 
by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. You see, the kingdom of God is a place of provision, miraculous healing, and feeding in desolate places. The Jesus Storybook says it this way. It's what God has been doing from the beginning, taking nothing and making it everything, taking emptiness and filling it up. And we see this in our passage this morning. We see that the kingdom of God is alive and existing. And we see it in two ways. First, that God is providing for his people. And then secondly, that God is inviting us to participate in his provision. Let me pray for us. Father, we're grateful this morning for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. Lord, we acknowledge that we all come to this place. Some of us come this morning and our hearts are full and our faith is steady. Others of us come this morning and our hearts are empty. And we're not even sure if we still have faith. Lord, in these next moments, will you come, Holy Spirit, and speak to us. Reassure us that your rescuing plan is still in existence. Your kingdom is still growing. Regardless of our faith, regardless of the circumstance around us. And we pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. So I want to encourage you to, you can look in your bulletin, you can open your Bible, or you can look on your app, on your phone, in our passage this morning. And the first thing that I want us to consider is that God is providing. One of the marks of the kingdom of God is hospitality. We see this in Genesis when the three holy men come and visit Abraham. What does Abraham do? He provides food for them. We see this in Ruth when Boaz provides food for Ruth and Naomi. And we see this in our story today. Luke tells us that early in the morning, crowds had followed Jesus Many of them came with great needs. I imagine long lines of men and women and children desperate to get an audience with Jesus. The lame were on crutches. The blind were being led by their friends. The lepers had their heads covered, hoping that no one would notice their leprosy. The demon-possessed walking in chains. Diverse people from all over the region sharing one thing in common— the need for healing. And then all of them patiently waiting one by one in the hot sun to get an audience with Jesus so that Jesus might cure them. The Jesus Storybook says, they came before breakfast. They stayed all morning, all afternoon, and way past dinner. No one had meant to be out there that long, but that's how it was listening to Jesus as if time 
didn't exist. It's like when you're out on the beach and you get out there early in the morning, you're reading your book, you're enjoying playing in the sand, and before you know it, the afternoon has come. There's no sense of time when you're on the beach. The crowds, they completely lost track of time. Morning turned to afternoon, and then before they knew it, it was supper time, and they had forgotten to eat. In verse 12, now time began to wear away. And the twelve came and said to Jesus, send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. The disciples here, they actually are having compassion on the crowd. They're exhausted. They've been there all day. They've seen Jesus heal. They know that the people are hungry. They understand that they don't have much food. And so what do the disciples do? They say, you need to send them away so that they might get nourishment. But then in verse 14, Jesus said to the disciples, you give them something to eat. Now, I love the disciples' response. It's so pragmatic. They said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. There's no way that we can feed them unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. There's a little sarcasm in their voices because they're not going to go and buy enough food for 5,000 people and bring it back. The disciples, they're realists. They're in a desolate place. There's more than 5,000 people gathered. They only have five loaves and two fish. There's no way that they can feed the 5,000. And while facts are important, the wonderful thing about Jesus the King is he is not confined by them. We see five loaves and two fish, and what does Jesus see? He sees so much more. Just like a magician who takes a handkerchief and puts it in his hand and then begins to pull handkerchief after handkerchief after handkerchief. Jesus, relying on his own power, not his sleight of hand or any type of foolery, multiplies the bread and fish. Look at verse 16. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before the crowd. And then in verse 17, and they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. You'll notice here in the text, Luke emphasizes that not only were they satisfied, much like we feel after a Thanksgiving meal, God's provision was so extraordinary that they had 12 baskets of broken pieces. The Jesus Storybook says everyone ate as much as they wanted, second helpings, third helps, even force, until they were full. And still, there were leftovers. Jesus is the great provider. And his kingdom is marked by extravagant hospitality. He cares about all our physical needs, emotional needs, spiritual needs. He welcomes us. He speaks to us. He cures us. And he feeds us. 
It is in God's DNA to provide for his children. And so I wonder if you think back over this past week, how has God provided for you? How has he welcomed you and shown you a place at the table? Maybe it's through someone who just through an act of kindness gave you a hug and said, hey, I love you. Maybe it was through a meal that somebody brought to your house this week. Maybe it was a cashier that just smiled at you, didn't say anything, but with her smile said, hey, you're important. How has God provided for you this week? Because God is the great provider. Jesus says, come to me, all who are thirsty, and I will give you drink. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So first we see in our text, Jesus reassures us that his kingdom is at hand as he generously provides for us. Secondly, we see in our text this morning that God invites us to participate in his provision. This miracle, this miracle of feeding 5,000, it takes a lot of sweat. God could have very easily called down manna and quail like he did for the Israelites in the desert. But as we've seen from Genesis through the Gospels, his rescue plan is happening. And he invites us to participate in it. In verse 14, Jesus says to the disciples, I need you to participate in this miracle. Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. Now, the, the JME loves this. The organizational part of this. There's 5,000 people. Jesus says, I need you to get them in groups of 50. So what is 50 into 5,000? It's 100 groups. So there's 100 groups. There's 12 disciples. That means each disciple is responsible for eight groups of 50. Now, I don't know if you've ever waited tables, but can you imagine if they sat eight groups of 50 all at the same time and said, you are supposed to take care of these 50 people? That's a lot of sweat. And you're going to be running back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, because each group of 50 probably needed about 10 baskets of food, right? And so these disciples were working. They were sweating. They were going back and forth, back and forth to ensure that these people were fed. Jesus says to the disciples and to us, you are part of my secret rescue plan. When you are cooking for someone, fill his energy to provide. When you are healing someone's body, fill his energy to provide. That's dominion, the creation mandate. Jesus says, I call you to feed the hungry and heal the sick. And left to ourselves, we will easily, easily, easily get burned out and become resentful and bitter. But the beautiful thing about Jesus is that he multiplies our tiny efforts. 
The Jesus storybook says, what food do you have? They were silent. But there was a little boy in the crowd. John, in his account, speaks of this boy in John chapter 9. He had brought a lunch his mom had made him that morning. He looked at his two fish and his five loaves. I have some. They all laughed when they saw his little lunch. Jesus winked at the little boy and whispered, watch. A mother took her boy to a concert by the great Paderewski. And when he went to this concert, the little boy and his mother, they sat on the front row and he looked up and there was an incredible, beautiful Steinway on the stage. And that was it, a large stage. And the mother started talking to people around her. And then all of a sudden she heard someone playing chopsticks up on that piano. And she looked up and much to her horror, it was her little boy had crawled up on the stage and literally was playing chopsticks. And then all of a sudden, Paderewski walks out onto the stage and you could hear a pin drop. What was he going to do? This little boy was playing on this incredible, expensive piano in front of all these people. And Paderewski, he sat down next to the little boy and he said, keep playing. And then with his left hand, he started to play the bass. And then with his right hand, he started to play the melody. And together they played. And it was a beautiful, beautiful sound. And the crowd stood up and just roared. I love this picture because this is very much the picture. We're the little boy, the little girls. And God comes and he sits down next to us on the piano. And he says, keep playing. He sits down next to us when we're cooking meals, when we're serving our neighbors, when we're serving one another. He says, keep serving. And with his left hand, he begins to help. And with his right hand, he begins to help. And with his power, he helps us so that we might participate in his provision. C.S. Lewis says, It's a mystery why God allows prayer to change events. It's an even greater mystery why he allows us to cause any events at all. I don't begin to understand why God chose us and invited us to participate in his kingdom work. It would make more sense if he just did it on his own because we're flawed, sinful people. I don't understand the mystery of how God's sovereignty and human responsibility interact with each other. But what we see in our story this morning is that not only does God provide but God, he also graciously calls us to participate in his provision. He calls us to come alongside of his kingdom work. He calls us to draw upon his power and practice hospitality. He calls us as a church to roll up our sleeves and participate in the ministry of building his kingdom here and now. And so I wonder, 
How might God be calling you to participate in his provision today, this week, next week? Where might he be inviting you to join in his kingdom work in your neighborhood, in your school, where you work, in the church? Jesus says his body is made up of many different parts. There's hands, there's their feet, there's arms. We're all important. All are needed to help build his kingdom. I wonder where he might be calling you to partner with him today. The mark of the kingdom of God is hospitality. And we are called to join him in welcoming others. We are called to join him in speaking the truth and love. We're called to join him in bringing healing to others. And we are called to join him in providing for the physical needs of those around us. Hurricane Ian, it was one of the worst hurricanes to hit Florida. It left a path of death and destruction. And as we see this devastation, we ask the question, Is God's rescue plan still in existence? Is God still at work? God's response to Hurricane Ian was immediate. Samaritan's Purse sent tractor trailers of food down from Charlotte. Mennonite chainsaw crews arrived within days. Southern Baptist teams came to feed and organize distribution. Seventh-day Adventists set up warehousing experts, set up warehouses in Fort Myers. $35 million was donated the first five days. 2,000 years later, God is still at work. God is still providing, and he's inviting us to be a part of his provision. We can be assured this morning that God is on his throne. He doesn't see what we see. He sees so much more. And he provides for every need that we have. And so when we question, is this rescue plan happening? Think about how he has provided for you this week. The food that you're eating, the friends that you have, the warmth of a house. And when you're doubting whether or not his rescue plan is happening, think about how he has invited you to participate. Look around you. See others that are participating to build God's kingdom. God provides and he invites us to participate in his provision. I can't think of a better way to spend the rest of our lives than being a part of restoring eating, eating, to be a part of his kingdom work. Amen.